Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a series of honest conversations about opportunities, challenges, and joy in ministry today. These episodes are inspired by interactions with ministry leaders from across the country as they explore possibilities, learn from broad perspectives, take risks, and cultivate candid discussions that generate disruptive creativity. Hi, friends. This is Adam Borneman with the Ministry Collaborative, and I'm thrilled to be here today with my friend and colleague, Melanie Marshbaum, who is the senior pastor at Community Presbyterian Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Melanie, thanks so much for chatting for a minute. Thanks for having me, Adam. Happy to be here. Melanie, why don't you tell folks just a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you spend your time doing these days. Cool. So I am... A Presbyterian minister. I've been working in ministry for about seven and a half years now. Graduated seminary in 2015. I'm a lifelong Presbyterian and have always been like super involved in like church. New ministry was my calling early on, but went sort of a very circuitous route to get here. I worked as a professional in the arts for many years before I went to seminary. So I was a professional actor, dancer, dance teacher arts activist, worked for a dance company as their program director. And I think that whole experience, those 10 years before I went to seminary, were probably some of the things that really informed my ministry and theology currently. So I work right now as a senior pastor, which means a lot of my day is spent doing a lot of administrative things. But my deepest love for ministry is about figuring out how to connect with communities that are often left out of conversations. So I am a woman of color, Caribbean immigrant family, and have spent much of my life in like rural central Florida. (laughs) And so I've often felt like a person who was just sort of like, didn't really belong, you know, like that Sesame Street song, one of these things, it's not like the other. I feel very connected to the marginalized people, people who've been outcast and on the outskirts of the conversation. And so finding ways to like bring those voices into the mainstream of our culture, of our denomination, of our churches. And in the Presbyterian Church, there's lots of room for that to happen. You uh, said that your background in the arts has really informed and shaped a lot of the ways you do ministry and see the world. Yeah. Say a little bit more about how that's true. I, I know that to be true because I've seen it displayed in the way that you do everything. Hmm. But share for our listeners a little bit about where that's most prominent. So I think partly it comes through in the approach I take to worship and that there's a lot of intentional, creative aspects in the kind of worship that I do and involving anyone in those creative aspects. So one of the things that I learned in my arts life was that culturally in America, especially, we tend to set the arts apart, like we often set worship leadership apart to like something only professionals are allowed to do and can do well. But what I discovered as an artist in the community I was in, particularly, was that it doesn't matter how skilled you are, how much training you've had, everyone has the creative impulse within them and the ability to create and express themselves creatively. And that is something that I think is inborn, given to us from our creator, who is the ultimate creative force in the universe. So that has tied in very closely with the way that I invite people in to the worship leadership process and say, you know, 
you don't have to have any special skill. You don't have to have any special kind of training. You can express who you are as a beloved child of God through this medium of worship in the same way that people express themselves through making something beautiful or doing some beautiful movement or creating beautiful music. Mm-hmm. It's not so much about perfection. It's about doing it faithfully and authentically. And the other way that that experience in the artist community informed my ministry now is, again, that marginal thing. So a lot of people who gravitate toward artistic communities tend to have been cast out from their communities of origin in one way or another, Mm -hmm. and they have made their own family of choice within their artist community. And I see that as being a similar model to the model of the church, especially the early church and in the Gospels, Mm. people who were not a part of the community joined together to create their own community through the love of Christ. And Jesus sort of facilitated that and made that an intentional part of his ministry. Yeah, and that intersects in several different places with the conversation our staff and really our whole TMC network has been having over the past year, especially not just the pandemic, but the multi-layered socioeconomic and cultural crises in many ways have stripped down so many of the window dressing that we've had on faith and Mm -hmm. on our Mm -hmm. Christian practice. And one of the things that has surfaced is the urgent, desperate need for reexamining faith formation. Our staff often says, we need to simplify and go deeper. We really need to deprogram our faith because it seems to be downstream from political ideology and cultural trends. But what you're describing is this creative impulse and artistic side of our humanity that has really not been given the formative role that maybe, not only that it should have, but that it does have and that we don't fully acknowledge it. Right. So I'd love for you to contribute a little bit to that conversation. What do, you, what do you see in terms of how our understanding of faith formation and discipleship needs to change and what's at stake? Well, I guess I could answer what needs to change best in like highlighting what I've seen work really well. What I love about the Ministry Collaborative's model is that it feels like in the cohorts that I've been a part of, we get to the heart of things, the emotional center of what's happening in our lives as ministers and in our lives as faithful people in the world very quickly. So we're not so much caught up in learning specific doctrines or talking in great theoretical, theological terms about writers and thinkers and authors. We're saying like, I feel this right now. And I need support with that. Or I'm trying to figure out how to make sense of a world that does not make any sense right now through my understanding of who God is and who my community is. I have really found that very valuable in the things that I have experienced in my cohorts that I've been a part of, just the way that we dive in and don't spend as much time talking about the intellectual aspects of faith. I think a lot of what we need right now is just emotional, being able to make emotional sense of the world and being able to make have our feelings about this tumultuous time sort of affirmed that we're not crazy and then think about how we 
allow ourselves to stay very present to the emotional needs of the communities we're a part of and the communities around us while holding on to the anchor that is our faith in God as being ultimately in control and Christ as being our ultimate example for how to move without fear and with great love through the world. Yeah, as you're talking, it makes me think that maybe that's why the creative and artistic side of formation is so important because it allows us to be shaped and explore faith in a way that doesn't have to have all the I's dotted and T's crossed. That right. it, it's necessary for us to have those more imaginative, creative expressions when nothing else seems to fit very well. Right. Yes. And we know that exactly. too, of course, just from basic human pedagogy. We're, we're learning a lot about how human beings learn and are formed and are shaped. And it's like we've rediscovered, oh, art is important. Yes. <laughs> All of a sudden, especially, you know, and that's not true across the board, but especially in our modern Western mainline Protestant traditions, I think especially. I, I know that in some traditions that's definitely not the case, but certainly uh, in the one that you and I inhabit and in many others, it is. Right, right. And in our culture, we tend to separate things out and we're like, this is the time and place and space for this. This is the time and place and space for this. This is time and place and space for this. And within church, we've often thought like the only things that we're allowed to do in the church context are like read a Bible lesson and talk about what it's teaching us or hear a sermon and then go and try to like live it in our lives. But I think that we need to find ways to like weave together more of who we are into our faith practice and into our life practice so that we don't feel like, oh, I can't be creative in the workspace or I can't be emotional in the worship space. Yeah. And you've got me thinking, too, about our faith actually has so much of the raw material in it for us to take out into the world. We, we are supposed to be a people of creativity. Yeah. That's basic to, in my view, what it means to be made in the image of God and what it means to display God's power in the world is to be creative, even innovative, imaginative people who can imagine a different world that God has designed for us. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just a matter of our own formation, but it's also what you're describing makes me think that it's also a matter of how we help form each other and form others in the world with those sorts of expressions. Yeah. And it also makes me think of the cohort that I'm envisioning right now for the fall that I'm going to be leading and how there are sort of three areas of faith life that intersect in this idea of a cohort, which is care for the creation, environmental justice, care for each other and the most marginalized people in our communities, and care and faithfulness to and following the example of Christ. And I feel like there is a thread of creativity and creative expression that is woven through all three of those things. We start out as beautiful, good, wonderful, beloved creations, people who are created, individuals who are created by God. We are encouraged to express our creative gifts through our lives with God and in Jesus, we see this 
infinite creativity and imagination of what the beloved community could look like, that it doesn't just look like one kind of person, that it doesn't just look like one status of person, and that our job is to bring in as much diversity into the picture of what the beloved community looks like for the thriving of all people, Mm. that we are strongest and our most flexible and our most adaptable when we have lots of different types of diversity within our creation, our biodiversity, within our culture, and within our faith communities and perspective. Mm. And I think all of that, I'm hoping all of that will get woven into what we talk about in this fall cohort about Jesus, creation care, and racial justice. Yeah, because it's almost like those are some of the key components you need to even create healthier spaces for faith formation. Right. In 2022, in the world that we're in, following Jesus looks like creating spaces to engage with those critical issues of our humanity and of the world that we are in. Yeah, exactly. You know, as we're thinking more deeply about creativity and artistic expression as participating in God's work in the world, I'm curious to know what are you observing? What are you seeing? What's inspiring you right now in your own ministry work? What's been inspiring me is kind of going back to this idea of the earth and the land and communities and individuals that are expressing themselves creatively by cultivating things in the earth. So like there's a lot of movement these days toward finding ways to reconnect to the land, sustainable farming, community farming, projects that involve the neighborhood in creating their own sort of food, flower, beekeeping efforts, gardens, these sorts of things. And I find great creativity and I'm fascinated by these things, partly because I've never really been like a strong green thumb kind of person, gardener, but I am eternally impressed by people who can make things grow out of the ground or like help things grow out of the ground. So the places that I've been looking have been places like Soul Fire Farm, which is run by a woman named Leah Penniman in upstate New York. She has a large scale working teaching farm where she prioritizes kind of education and immersion experiences for Black, Indigenous, queer, people of color, all sorts of people who have been culturally marginalized by Western culture for a long time, but helping them reconnect not only to the practices of their ancestors, but also to the land that may have been historically part of the culture that they were from. Also, some place like Finca Morada or Overtown Green Haven Project in Miami, places where they have gone into what have been sort of urban inner city food deserts Mm. and created these lush tropical oases of both free community garden spaces, free workshops for helping people connect both spiritually and physically to one another and to the land and growing food for communities that really need it. Also, like from within the church context, places like Okra Abbey or the Farminary in Princeton, Okra Abbey's in New Orleans, that do similar things all as part of their call to bring people back together with one another in physical spaces and also connect people back to the earth of their creator. And I really love that. 
Yeah, I, I love all of that because I agree that one of the really great things that I've seen happening over the past decade or so is this realization that our physical world and the way we inhabit it is deeply formative for our faith. Mm -hmm. It seems that that's not a new thing, right. but there is sort of this recovery of that yeah. that I have found really valuable for myself and for others. And also, you know, as you mentioned, for those who are drawn to that and who have historically been marginalized, it's this realization that, oh, it's okay for me to love the earth and love Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, but actually, these things can be woven together in some really beautiful ways. Right. I'm really grateful for that. Melanie, what are some biblical stories or themes or scriptures that keep you going? Mm, Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require of you to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly? I feel like that has been the the theme song of my faith formation from childhood. That was like the guiding verse of my childhood church. Mm -hmm. And in Jeremiah, where God is saying to the prophet, you know, and to the people, seek the welfare of the community where I have placed you. Look to the widows and the orphans and the most vulnerable of this community. Seek its welfare, and you will also do right by me, and you will thrive yourself. I think that, too, inspires me and gives me hope. Melanie, thanks so much. This is a rich conversation, giving me a lot to think about and to pray about. Thank you, Adam. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast a project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation. The Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their communities. Our producer is Marthane Sanders. To find out more about our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org.